Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of But Why the Podcast, and we've been on a little mini hiatus until our live show at Pack South this coming weekend, January 17th through 19th. And in the meantime, I want you all to take a listen to an interview that I did with Dylan Gilbertson, the writer and creator of the upcoming horror comic Sweetheart from Action Labs. So take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, I'm Dylan Gilbertson. I'm a, a comic book writer. I am living in San Diego, um, and I've done uh, various uh, comic book projects, uh, most of them anthologies. I was in the local Haunts anthology. Uh, most recently, I was uh, part of the What Fresh Hell Is This anthology from Red Style Media. And uh, my most current project that will be coming out in March is Sweetheart. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking time to talk with me. Um, because when I saw the synopsis for Sweetheart, I was immediately taken by it. Because uh, I come from a family where there are maybe three of us who don't have diabetes. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, it, it, we have both type 1 and type 2. Um, oh, right. So it, it was something that as soon as I saw the synopsis, it really hit me. And the fact that it's horror also hit me because I'm a huge horror fan. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, what? Because uh, looking, you know, looking at your 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 brief bio, you've done, and just from what you've said, you've done a lot of work in horror. Um, what draws you to that genre for storytelling? Um, I'll be honest. That was something I also was not sure of for the longest time. Uh, I, I mean, I've been watching horror since I can remember, I remember walking in, I, I stumbling into my dad's room when, where him and my brother were watching Leprechaun. Um, and like, I wasn't supposed to be there, but they didn't know that I had arrived. And so I just sort of tucked under the foot of the bed and just like watched it while I was down there and like was first horrified. Um, and then I was just completely taken by it. And I think that was, uh, uh, part of the, my journey for, for horror and how much I love it. But, um, uh, yeah, I think a lot of what I love about horror was sort of something I discovered over time in that the, the thing with horror, so the thought of zombies or leprechauns or whatever in your basement, uh, is really terrifying. And like, it, it conceptually seems like it's something that you wouldn't want in your life. Uh, you don't want to be afraid of these things yeah. uh, because it sort of makes your life more difficult to be afraid of these things. Mm -hmm. um, but then if you can actually bring yourself to go down into the basement and sort of face that and look at it and, and discover that, like, it's clearly ridiculous that these things don't exist, um, you can sort of learn that a lot of the things that you might be really afraid of aren't really they don't exist. And so it's, I, I, I want to believe that horror sort of teaches you this uh, sort of pseudo bravery to, <clears throat> uh, I guess, face some of the things that you uh, might be really stressed out about in your head. Um, and then understand that just doing it anyway can be really beneficial and that it's really not as bad as you think it is. That's awesome. That's like a really good explanation of horror. And I think why, because I, I think one of the things that I get, get asked all the time is like, why do you like being scared? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's still something that I, I'm also not quite sure about because I mean, every, 
a horror movie that scares you uh, is the best kind of horror movie. And I'm still uh, unsure about what it is about being in the moment and actually being scared that I that I like so much. And so I'm that I'm also still trying to figure out. Yeah. And and so for uh, why don't you do because I, I know what Sweetheart's about, but for people out there listening, uh, why don't you, you know, kind of summarize what Sweetheart is as a story and maybe talk a little bit about why this why this was a story you needed to tell. Um, so the, the sort of the elevator pitch that I give for Sweetheart is that it's it's sort of like Stephen King's It, but there's more than one. Pennywise, there's more than one kind of Pennywise, and the entire town knows about them. And so uh, it takes place in this really small town in Maryland, uh, and the entire town is sort of built around keeping its citizens comfortable and uh, to some extent happy while they're at the same time being actively stalked by these monsters that live in the forest around them. Uh, so the school educates the kids about them. Uh, the hospital have uh, medical treatments specific for the monsters. Uh, the police force know about them, everything. And so um, <clears throat> the the story a lot is about um, this specific family who is chosen by one of the monsters. And so an additional part of the story is that once you're chosen by a monster, it will follow you your entire life until it successfully kills and eats you. And so if you are uh, uh, unlucky enough to be a, a small child when you're chosen, you essentially have to grow up with this monster following you uh, your entire life. And so um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, I got a phone call. I had to ignore it and got oh, distracted. Good. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, so this story is sort of center out, centers around one family um, who uh, some of them are chosen by different species of this kind of monster. And you kind of learn uh, how the two species act differently and how they're similar in different ways. Uh, and so it's really about how the, this idea of growing up with a constant threat can affect you as a person, um, how it can, how the, some of the goods and bads of how it can affect you, but then also how it affects the ones you love because there's i mean whether it's i mean whether it's diabetes or whether it's um <clears throat> uh whether it's addiction or or cancer or anything is that uh being affected personally by it is is horrible enough on its own but then people who are close to you people who you love uh a lot of time their story is not told and you don't really uh get to understand to the full extent of how it affects them uh, and so that's something that I really wanted to dig through. And it, I, I wanted to put it on display, but also it was it's sort of a, I, I kind of wanted to work through it myself because I also wanted to try and understand it as best I could. And so uh, the story sort of grew organically out of those, out of those curiosities, I guess. That's, a, that's awesome. That's amazing. And I think, uh, I think a lot of people, when they think of horror, they don't think of it as kind of like an analogy for these types of things. Mm -hmm. um, so what for you, um, when it came to representing, you know, like you said, like, uh, like the impact that that issues like diabetes or addiction, you know, these chronic illnesses have on like a singular person and their family, like, what kind of drove you as this being the story that like you needed to tell? Like, th why is this kind of the one you picked to do right now? 
Um, so the, 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 the initial idea for the story came when I was extremely uh, sleep deprived after an overnight shift. Um, my, my day job, or I, I guess sometimes also my night job is working in sleep research, which means I have to do a lot of overnights. <clears throat> and uh, and I'm I'm a type one diabetic, and so uh, the the connection is obviously there. And <clears throat> after an overnight shift one morning, uh, I also had to go instead of going to sleep, I had to go to an endocrinologist appointment, which is uh, essentially just a routine checkup for my diabetes. They talk about how well I'm doing with it, uh, uh, future future complications that may arise because of however I'm living and things like that. And then I was driving home, and I, I should not have been driving at this point, given how tired I was. Yeah. And I, I just, I was, I started thinking about it and thought about how it's this thing that's never going to go away. Like, it's it's a monster I've lived with forever. Um, it's something that I just have to live with and make the best out of. And uh, something that I never really forgot was how upset my mom was when I was first diagnosed when I was six. Uh, I remember like not, <clears throat> I didn't understand really what was happening. Um, my mom got the test results back and she was visibly upset and I asked her what was wrong and she was teary eyed and I, I, it was just a very confusing time for me. Um, and then I just watched the people around me sort of all get upset about this thing that I didn't understand. And so <clears throat> uh, I, I was thinking about all this as I was driving home and then, and then got home and then wrote down all these feelings that I had and then just passed out for like 14 hours or so. And then, and then woke up and was like, I think these are things that other people know exist. Yeah. Um, these, uh, these, these, uh, I guess difficulties that people have, um, both primary and secondary with these, um, with these diseases and things. And so I just, it was, I, I had already start. I'd already been a comic book writer and this felt like something that I had a pretty firm grasp on and really just wanted to explore it. And then it just really snowballed from there and became what it is. That's awesome. Um, I'm honestly getting excited to read this when it comes out. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm um, glad. This is, this is extremely my jam. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, when it came to working with the artist on the book, uh, Francesco La Quinta, uh, how, did you, how did you work with them on crafting what this monster would look like? Did you have an idea in your head of, of what kind of monster you wanted to be portrayed in the story? Were there, uh, you know, uh, or was this something that the artist came up with? Uh, it was, uh, it was a combination of both. I'll give, uh, uh, Francesco a lot of credit for talking me down from what my initial thought was. Um, I, I had this idea of them having these really long necks and they were wearing clothes like humans and they had hoods that weren't attached to sweatshirts. Like they were just dis disembodied hoods in a, in a way. It was, uh -huh. it, it was really strange. And <clears throat> looking back on it, I'm, I'm really thankful that we went where we did with it. Uh, <clears throat> and so I, I gave Francesco this description and he sent something back and it, it, immediately I was like, this is so much better than what I had in mind. It's, it's uh, <clears throat> it's way more organic. It makes a lot more sense. Um, but we even after that went through a lot of iterations. Uh, some of them looked more fish-like. Sometimes they looked a lot more alien-like. 
but they were always supposed to be from the woods. And so creatures that are from the woods that remind you of aliens, like you're always going to think they're aliens. And if they look like fish, then like you're just going to be thinking about fish. And I don't know, it just it never really fit a whole lot. And so we, we sort of worked through that together. <clears throat> and one of the things I wanted to have the monsters represent was not not so there are two types of monsters in the book there's one ones that are called stringers which are sort of this pseudo analogy for type 1 diabetes itself and then there's the bruisers who are much larger and they sort of uh have more of a, a parallel to type 2 diabetes okay. and <clears throat> i wanted their physical forms to somehow represent those conditions but i also wanted them to have a connection outside of that because diabetes as as common as it is and as more common as it's becoming is still relatively niche right like yeah. you don't tell a story about diabetes because that's going to be very limiting for anyone else who wants to try and connect with it yeah. um and so uh we we tried to make one of them extremely frail very very thin um because <clears throat> Uh, part of the danger that we sort of explore in the book is becoming too, uh, n not too comfortable, but uh, getting to a point where you don't uh, give it the the effort that it yeah. needs. And so with something like, uh, let's say if you were to uh, apply that to addiction, uh, like the the concept of addiction is like there's a there's a really common understanding that you, once you're in recovery, you're in recovery forever. Yeah. Um, it never really goes away. And that monster, quote unquote, can get thinner and thinner and more and more fragile. Um, but all the same, like you have to be cautious because if you were to ever bump into it at any given time, like it could be all over from there. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you can starve addiction, but it's never really dead yeah. kind of a thing. If you can see the visual analogy there. And then, and then the bruisers that are much larger are sort of the opposite end of that spectrum. And they can be, again, if we, if we go with addiction again, um, an addiction that's fed too often and gets a little bit out of control and becomes much more dangerous. So you overfeed it and it just becomes a lot more vicious and um, <clears throat> it sort of demands a lot more attention and, and becomes a whole new sort of danger, even though they're kind of the same monster to begin with. That's awesome. Um, I mean, and just looking from the covers that, that I got sent, like that's, I, I'm not sure which monsters are which on there, but they look <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, All right, mission accomplished on that one. <laughs> and yeah. having having this, this background piece to kind of fill it in helps a lot. Um, I don't think people give a monster building enough credit. Um, when they look at, at horror movies for kind of representing all these things, um, or even when they read horror, you know, horror novels or, or in, in horror, horror comics. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you too was, as you're crafting this story, um, what are some of the, um, you know, because obviously there's monsters involved, but there are so many different elements of horror as you're writing the script for it, are there certain types of, uh, and I don't use tropes badly here, but like, you know, horror tropes or horror mainstays that you're, that you're actively putting in, or are you just kind of organically letting it, um, build itself out? Um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. Um, 
yes, um, there was this initial drive when I first started writing the book is that I didn't want anybody to be safe. Because, um, okay. I mean, with with uh, with horror movies and, and stories in general, um, it, it's, it ha- it's happened quite a few times, but there's usually a general understanding that the, the primary protagonist is not going to, uh, is not going to get off at any point. And I, I wanted there to be this feeling that that was not the case. I didn't want people to uh, just have this comfort to fall back on that everything was going to be okay for, for, for the main character. And that was, that's really hard to try and do without like just offing them in the first five minutes. Right. And so that, that was something I tried to, to, I I guess a trope I tried to get away from. Um, um, what are some other tropes? They gotta be in there. (laughs) Some of the tropes. Um, I'm trying to say some of them without giving too much away because there's some, I mean, I, to to toot my own horn, I think there's some pretty good twists and turns as you as you read through the stories. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I, I know how I know how rough it could be, kind of be like, oh, because it's not out yet; it comes out in March, so I can definitely. Right. If you can't, if you can't mention it anymore, it's perfectly okay. I don't want you to spoil anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I can. It's it's tough. There's because there are tropes in there. I can see them, um, but to try to explain them too much, I think is is giving too much away with it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask too, because you know, art is more at least when you, when we look at comics, they really excel as a whole from the entire creative team. And we talked a little bit about the art, but I also wanted to ask you, um, what was it like uh, working with color, with the colorists? Because I know overall, like colors can really influence tone and emotion when, when reading art pieces and reading scripts. Um, did you work closely with them as well? Like how, how close were your team? Did you have a mood or a palette picked ahead of time? Um, yeah, so... When I first, so I, I'd written the first script for the first issue of Sweetheart and then immediately went hunting for artists at places like Twitter and DeviantArt. Uh, and I was on there for hours because I had this this really uh, closed-minded, very specific look that I wanted for the book. And so I, I ended up passing on a lot of really great artists that I found on there. Um, and that I later, like, I had friended a lot of them on Twitter, and like, I'm still in touch with them now, and they're and they're great. Um, <clears throat> but I, I passed on them for this project, and then when I found this page of a book that Francesco had worked on, uh, I didn't know Francesco at the time. I'd never really heard his name, but I found this book that he'd worked on called Croak that he had won an award for, and it was so different from what I had into my mind. But it was so good that I, it actually made me start rethinking how the book should look. Yeah. And so his inks have this way of looking uh, wet, almost like watercolors. Oh, wow. Um, but also showing a lot of incredible detail that you wouldn't, wouldn't normally get with, with watercolors, particularly in the close-ups. Okay. And so that, that made me rethink a lot of the scenes. Um, and uh, what I saw later is that 
there's a he will put in some very subtle changes as to how abstract some of his lines are um, depending on the scene. Yeah. And so in, in issue one, there's a scene where uh, this child Ben is in the hospital, and it's and it's as as you can imagine. Um, connects with my experience when I was a kid. It's this very confusing, uh, very scary scene where he's being told all these things. He doesn't know what's going on. And even in his lines before the colors were there, there's almost this fog that kind of permeates the scene as if uh, the reader was meant to feel part of Ben's confusion. Uh, then uh, Marco, Marco, I... I Marco works more closely with Francesco than he works with me because um, Francesco, Marco and Francesco were good friends before we'd started. And Francesco is actually the one who had suggested Marco um, because they had worked so closely together. Um, they were almost, a, they weren't a package deal, but it would, it would have been ridiculous not to bring them both on the project together because they understood each other so well. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, they work together, um, and they have this great way of, or I guess Marco has this great way of just amplifying um, the things that Francesco is trying to do with his inks. Um, and so you'll see in issue one, again, in this hospital scene, um, while the lines, the inks themselves are, are a little smudgier in some places, um, the lighting in it is also feels um, a lot thicker. It's it's weird to say, but it, yeah, it's the only way I can describe it is the light is a little bit thicker and almost like you kind of almost have to squint um, to to really get at uh, the scene, I guess. And so, um, yeah, and so and then uh, Seda was our letterer who came in. <clears throat> I found Seda. She's done a bunch of uh, projects for DC and Marvel, so she's she's a sort of a big deal in the lettering world, I guess. Uh, and she, I couldn't have asked for a better letterer with her. There's actually a scene in issue three that's literally my favorite scene simply because of the sound effects that she chooses to put in the rain. Oh, wow. And so it's just so beautiful, the choices she makes um, to, to either uh, accentuate or to hide certain things. Um, yeah, it's, it's really beautifully done. Everyone on the team... Um, really knows exactly what they're doing, and the book would never have been as good as it is uh, without these people on it. That's amazing. I, I just want to give you, like, a huge compliment and just, like, you explaining the art was superb for me to listen to. I'm sure <laughs> listeners out there loved it, too. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see this. There's, there's a passion in you talking about how you worked with your team that, like, is phenomenal. Like, I can... Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, really I, to say that. <laughs> yeah, I thank you. I, I yeah, I love everybody that's on this team. They all, uh, I I can't give them enough thanks for putting uh, the work that they did into this book. And uh, I have to ask real quick, uh, what 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 goes behind the name Sweetheart? <laughs> so that's so that's kind of a funny story. So Sweetheart was the second name we'd chosen for it. Um, <clears throat> When I initially wrote the story, it was called It Waits. And <laughs> we we even did a mock-up of the first cover for it um, with this font that we had. And you can you can even Google it. And this, I swear to God, this is all 
completely coincidental. None of us had ever even heard of this film, but we had done this mock-up cover for it. And then we sent it to this publisher who we were hoping to, to sign with at the time. And they sent us back uh, a screen grab of this movie. It's like this old crappy sci-fi original horror movie called it waits. (laughs) And it is so close to the same. It is, it is eerie how similar it is. Um, And so we're just like, whoa, like we clearly need to rethink some things. Uh, And then I read the synopsis of it waits and they're, they're, they're really not the same at all, but they were just close enough about like this, this woman in a small forested town. And like, she's having trouble with her personal demons. And I was like, we should probably just distance ourselves from this. (laughs) And so I, I had this long laundry list of, of, uh, of potential names after it waits. And I, it, I cringe to even say it waits just because of the sweetheart is such a much better title. Yeah. Um, and so I had this, I guess, sorry, I had this long list of, of names that I was considering. And then I had put it away for a long time because I just wanted to finish the scripts on the other issues. And then when it came time to make a decision, I pulled that list back out and I looked through it and then I saw Sweetheart and I didn't even remember writing it down. And I was like, how could it not be Sweetheart? So yeah. one of the main characters is is this girl named Maddie. And it's sort of it's sort of, it's kind of an ironic name because she's anything but a sweetheart. She's a very crass young child. <laughs> and so she's very she's very mean. Um uh and the it's it's an obvious I, I want to believe it's a it's an apparent play on words um, with diabetes and, and it being sweetheart. And so this this girl's nickname that her grandma gives her is sweetheart, uh, and it's all about. I mean, it's this 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 undeniable parallel with diabetes and uh, and just the the complications of, of high blood glucose levels and things like that. And so um, <clears throat> that and like it just kind of sounds creepy, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> It does. Uh, it does a lot, actually. <laughs> um, especially looking at the cover with uh, with one of the monsters on the front and then just like the sweetheart in the back. I'm like, oh, <laughs> one of the covers where it's uh, it's the uh, the severed arm on the dinner table. Oh my gosh, I love that cover. Yeah, it's so good, and it, it's yes. such a really good uh, ju- like juxtaposition between like because you think sweetheart, you think something light, good, cute, and then you have monster. Blood dripping from the mouth, severed hands. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This has me hooked. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the logo was also that was all Seda as well. Our letter. Um, she, I, I told her I was like, I just kind of wanted to look scratchy, yeah. and she was like, yeah. and she's like, and it was like uh, one of those memes with haircuts, and just like, uh, just give me something scratchy, and she's she like, say no more. And she, and she gave me this logo, and it was so good, and so we we used that and ran with it. Um, so yeah, so the, yeah, sweetheart, um, just, it felt, it just felt perfect to use and it just works on so many levels that we couldn't not use it. Awesome. Well, um, you know, thank you for talking with me and it, you know, what, um, if, if people listening right now aren't super brought in, uh, why don't you, what is one thing that you haven't mentioned yet that you want the people listening to know about sweetheart, to know about the project? Um, this book is not it's a horror book it's meant to be terrifying by its nature and it is uh i can honestly say i I think this book is is scary as hell 
Um, but working with things that are intended to be analogous to these real life problems, it's not all doom and gloom. There is, there's a, there's a journey that we take in the story and it's not just going to end and tell you that this, uh, this condition, um, this mental state that you're currently in, um, it's not going to end by telling you that it's over and that there's no hope. Um, there's a there's a message in this book that says nothing is hopeless and that it's always important um, to sort of to to keep moving if not for the sake of others then for yourself as well. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not it's not there to tell you it's hopeless. It's supposed to do the exact opposite and, and just tell you that things are gonna things are gonna be okay if you keep pushing. That's awesome. Um, I'm excited. I hope everybody else is excited as well. Um, so why don't you tell us where we can find you on the internet, where they can, uh, where they can pre-order Sweetheart, where they can, you know, uh, when exactly when it comes out, um, all that good stuff. So I am most active on Twitter. I'm at Dill Gilbertson. That's Dill with two L's, like a Dill pickle. Um, Dill Gilbertson. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, but I post there uh, much uh, far fewer. In my posts are far fewer in between than my posts on Twitter. Um, I have a website, DylanDoesComics.com. You can see a lot of my previous work there and, and some of my future stuff. Uh, you can also just sort of contact, shoot me DMs, and so my DMs are open, and so I'm always free to talk uh, on there. Um, Sweetheart will be in previews for pre-order in January. I would very much love to plug a pre-order code right now, um, but we do not have it yet. Um, but it is set to come out in March 2020, and it will be in comic shops everywhere, and, and it will be especially everywhere if you ask your comic shop for it. 